0: Our scripture for today is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. And in a moment, Pastor Laura is going to come and continue our Finding God series, where she takes a look at how God uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways and how we can apply that to our lives. 1 Peter 2, 24. He personally carried our sins in his body, on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I kinda come from the shallow end of the gene pool when it comes to fishing, which is where you ask me to look for God. And why I know this is I got this shirt when I was two years old. I don't know what my parents were thinking as far as size because it's still a little too big. I think it was my nightshirt. And in case you can't read it, it says, Wear fish, which is what I would always say when my father came back from the firm fishing trip. Firm fishing trip, 1979. Every year, from when I could talk onward, I would say to my daddy, Daddy, wear fish. Where'd them fish? I was ready to eat them as a little kid. Guess how many fish my father caught? (laughs) This is why I was always asking. All I got was a miserable t-shirt out of it. Never a fish dinner. Um, That propensity for failure when it comes to fishing has been handed down to me. Okay? So one of the most wonderful things I've ever caught fishing was at the, the carnival, When I caught a water balloon, right? That's about it. My family and I go fishing. Kevin can catch things. I'm not so good at it. I don't know where I'm failing. I try to go to the same spot. It's just not working, okay? So that's who I am. Where would I fish? It could be said of me. So when you challenged me, how many of y'all enjoy it? Fishing. Enjoy it. Okay. This is why I went fishing, Because I know I live on a lake, and you tell me about fishing and everything you've caught, so I need to give it another try, right? In the lake, looking for God. Now, about this series, Jesus said when he left, and he left it in the disciples' hands, remember, they were ordinary, they were like us, and he said, you're going to go into all the world and tell them about me, okay? Now, when they did that, the way that they did that is when they met a Jewish person who believed in the Scriptures, who already knew about God, just needed to know that there was a Messiah, they would say, here are the Scriptures that talk about the Messiah, and here's what Jesus did to fulfill them. Really smart. When they went out into the world and they were talking to people who were worshiping Athena, or we're worshiping, worshiping a Parthianic gods or, I mean, all this different stuff. They didn't say, look, let me teach you the book of Genesis. Let's start there, okay? And then we're going to move on to Exodus and teach you about the deliverance. We're going to slog through Leviticus, but you'll get there. And in 52 weeks, you should have a good understanding of this God who's speaking to you and what Jesus means. They didn't do that, see? What they did is they went out into the world. When they found a believer in God, they'd say, this is why the, Jesus is the Messiah, And when they found somebody who knew nothing, they'd say, one of your poets says this. Or I saw this altar in your marketplace to an unknown God. Would you like to know who that is? Or they'd say, you know, here's something we all have in common. Isn't it good when it rains? Do you want to know where the rain comes from? Let me tell you about that. So this is kind of my attempt to remind us that when we go out, even if you don't have this memorized, certainly helps you if you know this book for your own life, and so you can talk to others. But if you don't have it memorized, that's okay. You can go out and find ways right out there that God has left evidence, signs, clues, breadcrumbs to lead back, to here, This is the best place to meet God, not just this church, but church, where we're all on the same page. We're all moving in the same direction. But God hasn't forgotten the people out there who don't get to be here. And so there are signs. Acts says that. If you want to look in Acts 14, 16, God has never left them without a witness of himself and his goodness. Okay, so that's what I go out looking for. And so what I figure is, it's Labor Day weekend. There's a lot of people doing what? fishing, okay? So where is God going to show up if you're not here? See why that matters? See, we're not saying God only shows up when you're seeking out God. That God is to be found, wants to be found by people who don't even know to look. What that might mean for you is God needs a witness out there to help explain it. When we see a sign of God in the bait bucket, You need to be there to explain that. So I went fishing. I tried fly fishing first, because that's fun, right? And so um, Steve Holland, who's a fly fisherman, took me out and we stood on um, a grassy surface and he's like, just try to cast, Laura. Just try to cast. Any of y'all been fly fishing? It's not easy, right? So you have to like wait for the line to get back there and then snap, you know, and mine would always go like, and he'd be like, almost, almost, and then he'd do, the way he does it, and it would make a little hook, that's what it's supposed to do, a little loop at the end, it's like, see, can you do that? I'd be like, almost, almost, and so for like 45 minutes, I'm trying to do it. Finally, I get it. He's like, good job. That's it. That's so good. I'm so proud of you. Do you think Kevin wants to try? Yeah, Kevin wants to try. Well, you know, I settle down with a drink. I sit down. No sooner have I sat down. Kevin gets up, and he's, he casts it back, little hook, and I was like, what the what? He did that? What? And Steve was like, I think he's a natural. And so he's like, you want to go fishing some more, Kevin? You can be my fishing buddy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, where'd I fish? Right? I'm not very good at it. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I experienced that. It was really wonderful, fly fishing. I didn't catch anything, but it was still good. Bob and Becky Burke have a little fishing cabin out there, out on the lake. And they said that they would take me fishing. And I knew Bob knows his stuff. Because if you've ever talked to Bob, he's told you what he caught. Right? He catches a lot of good things, and he'll tell you the size of what he caught and how heavy it was. And he's actually, he told me the story, he grew up along the shores of Lake Travis. And so as a young man, he and his buddies would go out camping, and whatever they caught that night is what they ate for dinner when they were camping as teenagers. It was really cool to go out with Bob and Becky. It was really fun. And what they said was, we're going to bait a trot line. I was like, I wonder how you spell that. I didn't tell them that because I didn't want to sound like a total doofus, but I had to go look it up, okay? Trot line. So, are, y'all all know what that is or some of you know? Uh, yeah. All right, well, I know there's somebody out here who doesn't know what it is. So, this is what it is. It's, um, two, it's a long, tough line that is hooked to either side of a channel and then it drops to the bottom. And all along the bottom of the line, you have um, longer lengths of line, right, Bob? with a hook at the end, and you put a live fish on there, and then the bottom-dwelling fish will come up and say, wow, there's a tasty morsel on the bottom of the lake, and they will eat it, and you will have a giant catfish, so Bob promised me, right? This is a don't-fail kind of a fishing experience for me. So the other thing I learned about fishing is you can't sort of dabble in it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go out for 30 minutes and fish, right? Right? So it was an afternoon. They said, get here as early as you can and bring the kids. So I bring the kids, and we all drop our lines in the water. And you can see the fish. So I'm like, all right, you know, this is going to work. And they're going to tell you I'm not lying. Anna starts just pulling them out of the water. Pop, I got a fish. Yay. Bob takes off the hook. We take pictures. There's Anna's fish. Yay. Put it in the bait bucket. Drop the line in. Okay, here we go. Anna. Got another one! Wow, oh, this is great. Then Leah catches a fish, and then Anna catches five more, and then Leah, and they're like, "Keep trying, mommy. <laughs> You'll get a fish, mommy. Don't get discouraged, mommy." And finally, after I think we caught like seventeen, I I caught like we caught seventeen. I caught one, and it was this big. <laughs> And they took my picture with it. I don't have that picture. They haven't sent it because it's so pitiful. And then Bob took it off, and instead of putting it in the bait bucket, they threw it back in the water because it wasn't even big enough to be bait for another fish. So that was my fishing experience. Um, so the kids are really excited. Here's the point the kids are catching these beautiful bluegill, um, and they're all up in the sunny shallows. And when you take them out of the water, my kids love animals. So they're catching these fish. They love to catch lizards and frogs. We toad this big. I mean, we have all these things, right? And then we're always like, let's let them free. Well, this time, instead of mom saying you have to turn it free, it went into the bait bucket, right? So it's like for them pulling treasure, glittering treasure out of the lake that they get to keep. Now, we don't lie to them because you know what those fish are used for, Right? They're the trotline bait. So we don't lie to them. We told them all along those fish were going to be bait on the trotline. So we, we ate dinner, catfish, of course. Um, and we, we went out on this little john boat that they have. And they were like, uh, maybe one other person can go. And we're like, can we all? i like, okay. So the little tiny john boat. We go out there. Anna's fishing fish out of the bait bucket to hand to Bob. Kevin's running along the line carefully to pull up the next hook and get it, and then Bob's going to hook the fish on the line and then put it back in the water, and then we go to the next spot. Which means that Leah and I were just ballast, okay? So Bob and Kevin on one side of a tiny John boat baiting the line, and Leah and I just using what we had to offer, which is our weight on the other side of the boat. So Anna's active, and Leah's just talking to me. And I kind of got to watch what Bob was doing. And she said, and what happens is you have your fish and the tail's here and Bob hooked it in right in the meaty part right in front of the fin part of the tail, hooked it in. So that the fish can flip around down there. That's appealing to a catfish, obviously. So all these little treasures are starting to get put on the line. And Leah asked me, Does that hurt them, mom? They're not crying. So I don't think it does. And I've always been honest with my kids. So I said to her, I think it does hurt. And she said, how much? Is it like when I got stung by that bee? Is it like getting a shot? I said, no, it it hurts more than that. I think. I don't know how fish feel pain, but it hurts. She said, How much? How does it hurt, Mom? And the only thing I could think of was Jesus, the thing that she would know. And so I said, Baby, it it probably hurts like it hurt Jesus when he got the nails through his hands and his feet. And my little girl's face started to cloud. And she just sat there in the john boat as the next fish went on the line. And so I could see that we were going to a bad place. And I said, but, 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 a big catfish is going to come and see that fish. And we're going to have the best dinner tomorrow night. You know, the payoff. My kid's smarter than I am. And so she looked at me and she said, but what if it doesn't? said, Mommy, we are killing them, and they could die for nothing. Why are we doing this? I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church. This is saying. It means I've been here ever since I could remember. Ever since I could remember, I knew that Jesus loved me and died for me, and I wanted it right? I'm the catfish that swam up and said yes. And instead of getting hooked on a line, I got set free. I got set free. And so I've been walking free my whole life. But never until I went fishing did I really understand the choice. Because of the choice I made, it kind of blinded me to the fact that you might make a different one. And that whatever choice you make, it matters. Because what Jesus did doesn't change. But it doesn't become effective for you until you take it. Until you want it. If you're the catfish and there's a fish in the darkness that's always lived in the light, that can be food, right? Right? you just, whatever, then that, Leah's pointing out, that fish, we've taken it from the sunny shallows. We put it in the darkness. It's hurting. It's dying. It might be for nothing. This is what Peter, who was a fisherman, said of Jesus, who he loved when he was talking to a church. This is the verse that Pastor Greg read. I want you to hear it again, and I'm going to read it to you in my Texas dialect. Okay. Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we might could be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds you are healed I never realized I said might could until y'all pointed it out to me you say might could which is really redundant right might or could you don't need both but it expresses the possibility. Peter doesn't say that Jesus did it and now he's chasing you down and going to ram it down your throat. Salvation is yours. Take it. That's not what Jesus offers us. He offers us what the trot line offers us. A chance. An opportunity. And a choice. So, when Jesus was dying on the cross, the truth of it was that most people walked by and did what? Mocked him, scorned him, made fun of him, spit on him, made the pain worse. And the truth is, today we still get to make our choice. You make your choice. God loves you so much, so much. He sent His treasure, His only Son, into the darkness to die here, to save you. If you take it, if you have it, if you can admit you need it, it's yours. So that fishing line, all that night as I thought about those fish dying down there and about my daughter whose heart was breaking, I was thinking, it's really going to matter if we catch a fish or not. Where'd them fish? We didn't. Not a single one. All that treasure waiting and nothing to show for it. And that's how fishing is, right? For me, at least. But listen, it's worth it to me if because you hear this story, you think of Jesus in a new way and you say, those fish might have died for nothing, Jesus didn't. Not for nothing, because I want to be free. Because see, when you come to Jesus, he's not going to hook you, he's taking the hook out. He's not going to burden you down. He's going to lift the burden. He's not going to shut you off from the light. He's going to open the door to it. You've been in the darkness. Walk into the light if you take it. And so my prayer would be maybe there's one of you here who's been thinking, I can wait on this, wait to decide. And today you make the choice. Maybe some of you who, like me, have always thought that this was a done deal, see the great sacrifice that God has made for you and for all of us. Or maybe you just say, you know, I did accept that, and I've been walking away, and I need to go back because I want the sunlight and the freedom. Whatever it is, you have to choose. Let's pray. Lord God, I do pray that we would appreciate your sacrifice. And not just appreciate it from a distance, but appreciate it because it changes our lives. Help us, Lord, not to be the ones who walk by and laugh or just say, I don't need that. But who come to you, Lord. Lord who let you set us free. Please set us free, Lord. May your sacrifice and your pain and your time in the darkness be worth it because we choose you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.